0: In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll and on this podcast you will hear real stories. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. Welcome back once again. I'll tell
1: you what, I absolutely love doing these interviews. Again, I'm with Evan. Evan and I met, shoot, I think it was like 10 years ago-ish, somewhere in that ballpark, maybe seven. Anyway, we met actually in Michigan, beautiful Michigan. We were over in Ludington, talked a lot about business, different life experiences, things like that, that where we were at. But again, it was just one of those things that it's just exciting because now we get to hear some of the behind the scenes rather than just let's talk about business. And now we actually get to hear about your life. (laughs) So let's start with that. You know, we meet in the elevator. Give me the 30 second pitch of,
2: hey, I'm Evan and what? What would you fill in in that uh, ride up in the elevator? Yeah, great question. You know, it would depend on what period of life you ask me because that's a constant evolution. (laughs) But today, if you were to ask me which you obviously are, you know, who Evan is, is I'm somebody that values loyalty. I'm a father. I am a brother. I'm a son. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I take those roles seriously, you know, to make sure that I'm supporting the people that are important in my life. Outside of that, uh, you know, I'm a marketer. There's lots of things, you know, I I'm a musician. Number one that you love that
1: fact about you. Like, because you said there's
2: a ton of stuff in
1: there, but what would be that number one thing that you say, this is what I really, truly love about who I am?
2: Honest. I'd have to, you know, put honesty that uh, what you see is what you get. Uh, I try really not to wear that mask that a lot of us tend to put on. Depending on the situation, uh, you know, I obviously want to be with whatever crowd it is and be appropriate with that, but uh, what you see is what you get.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually incredible because <laughs> not everybody is that way. All right. So let's jump into this. I mean, like you, you've heard and people have been listening. If this is the first time you're listening, this is our system. We're going to talk first of all about what was your life like growing up before you entered into the adult phase of your life? What were some of the things that shaped your perspective? Uh, some of the things that shifted how or who you were or created who you were? What, what was that like? developing those concepts and those beliefs
2: yeah so i grew up in a family of six kids i was the last of six and depending on the size of your family and where you fit in that definitely can alter uh, how you view the world um so being the youngest of six first off i grew up in an incredible family looking back on my childhood i don't know if i could ask for a better childhood Mm -hmm. I, i lived in the country uh there were two dairy farms on my street So I was around people that were hardworking, that were ethical. So I just had a lot of those really great examples. Being the last of six kids, the way that my parents kind of framed it was, they had the first three kids, and then they had the last three kids. So we were kind of lumped into like two
1: families, like family A, family B.
2: (laughs) It's kind, yep, exactly. That's kind of what it was like. And so being on that tail end. I was kind of raised by my older siblings in a lot of ways. You know, my my dad he would work full time, and and my mom she would help out with different things. Or she had a sister who had cancer. Um, you know, a mother who lived next door that she she didn't do well in her you know, last days of her life, her last year. So she was been very supportive. What happened with me though is that that kind of turned me into the way that I kind of frame it is like I was kind of a raccoon in the family. Like you knew I was alive and I was doing okay because the Honey Nut Cheerios were slowly disappearing. Um, <laughs> other than that, you didn't really see too much.
1: <laughs> you know, it's um, interesting. You're you're talking about it from this angle. We've had several people on the other side of it that were the older siblings that were raising the younger siblings. So I love this perspective because I don't think we've had anybody really talk about it from, I was the the final child. And, and then just the way you expressed that, it was kind of like, I'm sure that that had to form <laughs> some beliefs about
2: your value, about who you were and how you were supposed to show up in this world. Absolutely. And the way that, that I internalized the way that I was supposed to show up was there was a lot of positivity in my house. And so I was told frequently, Evan, you're going to be successful. Evan, you're so special. And then lo and behold, when I get into my mid-20s and the world and life isn't handed to me on a silver plate, uh, it was pretty shocking, right? Because I thought, well, oh. they're supposed to be a certain way. And I also internalized that that success piece, considering that you know, growing up, uh, the measure of success of people in my community, uh, those who were you know considered successful were financially su- successful. And so I just internalized that's what success means. And so because I was told that I would be that way, I felt like that's how I had to be um, mm-hmm. in order to receive acceptance from my family and my community. and so so I, what I realized was I, Got attention only when I was doing impressive things. So whether it was uh, a magic trick that I would get attention, or I did my chores really well or really fast, that's when I would receive praise and attention. And so I I kind of tied that into my my later life that I've had to do a, a lot of work through this. In that I had the mindset that I, I wouldn't be able to articulate this, but this is how I would function: is that I wasn't worthy. To receive love or acceptance unless i was doing something praiseworthy hmm
1: that, that's actually really really deep and it's a really and man th- to be able to actually contemplate and say that's what i believe sometimes we grow up and we don't even know that that's what we believe we don't even realize that that's the way that we're acting so you you touched on a couple of things one and, and maybe help me tie this all together one is you grew up around very positive family right and that when we go out into the world, that's something that people would say we should be very grateful for. And that's a really good thing. But the reverse side of that was the fact that because you were grew up in that, it was almost like you had to live up to that certain level. And then if you didn't live up to that level, then you didn't have value. You didn't have, so is that, is that, am I expressing that the right way? Is that kind of what you're trying to put together?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, <laughs> I refer to my mom a lot of the time as Pollyanna. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen that movie, but yeah, uh, you know, the Disney show where she just spends everything in a positive light. Uh, and I respect that about my mom, but I also realized that, you know, life is hard sometimes. And, you know, yes, there can be a silver lining that you can find in any situation. However, what that kind of taught me was that if I have negative thoughts or I'm in a not positive state that something was wrong with me and so it was really difficult to allow like negative emotions to just kind of pass through so you just keep shoving them down and you know over years that starts to build up and so i i couldn't express that or show that otherwise i wouldn't you know be able to receive you know the uh worthy You know, I wouldn't be worthy of that love or that attention.
1: So was that something that was, and you mentioned this, uh, was that something that was expressly stated to you or was that something that you just came to believe
2: about the reality of life? You know, that's a really good question because I, I think a lot of the beliefs that myself and any other human we assume certain things, right? And so we take exactly. on those beliefs, even though they haven't explicitly been told to us. So to answer your question, no, that was never explicitly told to me. I believe where I probably internalized it was whenever if I would, ex- if there was a, like a something bad that happened or I would express something negative, it would immediately be met with, well, what about, and then the, uh, some sort of positive spin on it. Right. So you just kind of learn over, over time, especially in your childhood that, oh, that's how you do things. Mm.
1: Yeah. so that And that's a really interesting concept as far as, again, like I said, most of us would look at that and say, well, that's the, that's the way we should raise our kids. That's the way that we should express ourselves because that's the way we were raised. And then just to kind of really... So if you were to define it, and again, we, we talk about narratives and we talk about false narratives. If you were to define it, what would you say the false narrative was that you believed during this time that you kind of just embodied and, and created as the way that you were going to do life? Yeah. I'd summarize it summarizes
2: with external validation. Uh, is really what it boils down to for for such a long time not realizing it that i would behave and act and think you know from from inside to outside i in ways that would get a thumbs up or approval from external sources that i would have no control over and sometimes it would work sometimes it wouldn't until at one point it's like well i want to have a little bit more power over my happiness on a regular basis instead of giving that power to others because it's just so variable. And so, yeah, that's, that, that's kind of what I would say is, you know, growing up that false belief was, you know, happiness and acceptance comes from external sources.
1: Man, that's such a, so many people deal with that. Let's turn the corner and let's, let's kind of look at this from the aspect of now what happened that shifted your mindset and allowed you to become aware of that false narrative that you were living by. And obviously we know that it's a constant growth and and we share that all the time, but there typically is something that was a big, it was either a trauma, a bend in the road, uh, something shifted, changed, you moved, whatever. So let's, let's start to explore that to like, what allowed you to kind of wake up and see, this is how I'm living and I'm not gonna live that way anymore.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it was an exact moment, but there were for sure some pinnacle periods that That led to this. So, to give a little bit more context that uh, will hopefully make sense sense of all of this is growing up, I grew up in a very religious family. Growing up in Utah, I predominantly Mormon. my My family was very uh, very traditional, and mm-hmm. you know they still are. And so, like I went on a, a two- year Mormon mission. I got married in their temple. And then in my mid twenties, you know, I was actually looking for some faith promoting podcasts and stumbled across some that just started to explain a little bit more about the history of the church. And without going too deep into that, essentially, where that led me to is start to question this this faith that my whole community is part of, my family is part of. That I a lot of the time people will be blackballed if they disagree with those teachings or or leave the the um, church organization. And so I had to do a lot of thought about that, right? So this mm-hmm. was that period where I was doing a lot of soul-searching and research to just understand, like, where does my heritage come from? And where I eventually landed was that uh, it's not for me. You know, no, no problem with anybody who's part of that faith. My family is still, you know, very involved of with course, I love yeah. all of them. You know, and I think faith is a good thing for, you know, on, on many levels, you know, regardless of what your faith is. But I chose the option, again, honesty and truth, where we talked about at the beginning, like, that's one of my core beliefs. And so I had to be true to myself. You know, I I couldn't pretend that I was believing something that that I didn't truly believe. And so... so I I, I need to pause you. Hang on. Sorry. I I know you're really getting into it, but I... I, So was it
1: the research that created that idea of, oh, I need to to dig deeper into this, why I live the way that I live? Is that what really was the catalyst
2: for that? It was the catalyst, like, because there were historical uh, truths... That I stumbled across in my twenties that I had never heard of about mm. the church. And so that caused me to kind of scratch my head a little bit, like, well, what else have I not been told about? And then that just kind of cracked open a whole whole other uh world. And, and then we the start- foundations of where you were. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Because w- when you're raised in a uh very religious uh family and community. All of your beliefs and goals and objectives in life are built around that. And so you're just kind of into that system. Yep. When that system is removed from you, it's like taking the rug out from underneath you on all things. I mean, from everything from God down to your soul and everything else in between, like what's real, what do I believe and where do I fit in? Yeah, I, I would think you even
1: ask yourself what you do on a daily basis and you start to question some of the habits and the, just the, why I get up in the morning.
2: Yeah, very much so. Uh, it blends into work, you know. I had a, a daughter, and I was married at the time, so all of those things uh, are absolutely affected. And so, that kind of put me on a path of, uh, you know, finding my, my 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 spiritual journey, is what I call it, and realizing that there really is no end to that. Uh, it's an ongoing <laughs> thing forever. But it sent me on a different path, right? It wasn't a path that was given to me in like ba- literally a book that's like, here's what you do, step by step. Yep. To a path of okay, well, the world is wide open. How do you want to show up? And so so that would I would say, you know, was the big period for me of you know starting to really even question like my behaviors and uh the scripts and the thoughts that I've had in my head all growing up, and then you know, slowly starting to unpack those piece by piece.
1: So this is i think uh, and i, I just want to take a few minutes on this component because you started that mindset shift and that perspective of the world and the reality that you were living in i'm assuming it had a deep impact on all of your relationship in the community in your immediate family was that something that you took into account and then is that something that I, i'm assuming you're probably still working through some of that and trying to heal relationships if they're available but how did that affect you personally? And I, I know I want to be gentle and careful because I know there's a lot of stuff around that, but just from you on a personal side with people that could potentially be going through a same situation, how do you deal with that personally when, like you just said, your entire life is built around happiness on the outside, right? And somebody else could be in that exact same situation. How do you deal with that when basically that's ripped away? What was going on inside Evan? What was going in your mind and your soul? Like
2: I'm sure it was probably screaming for something <laughs> well it wasn't easy uh that's for sure and and you're right when your whole world is built around a belief system that's taken mm-hmm. away for first off i'm very fortunate i have a very loving and understanding family they have the mindset that i'm on a journey and eventually i'll be back into the church with them and you know what i'm totally fine with that and uh who knows you know i, I can't predict the future maybe that's where my my path will lead me but the way that i approached it, it it's very much um i mean so so keep in mind this was uh around 2015 uh time and so with uh, like if you're homosexual coming out to your family right it's it's an ordeal a thing that happens like it's like an announcement well that's how i had to approach this right because mm. my family was kind of starting to notice that i just different things like whether if I wasn't going to church as often, or if I wasn't like standing in for different blessings, you have to, you know, follow certain rules that they have in place. And so it got to the point where like uh, I had to decide, do I want to take kind of an easy road and just pretend? Go to church, do the things that Mormons do and just don't tell anybody about this and just Shut up and put up, right? That's kind of an easy way to go about it. But the truth just kept nagging at me. I'm just like, I, I can't do this. And so I wrote a letter, you know, to my family, explain the situation, like, hey, this is where I've landed, this is why. And I asked, you know, please don't contact me for a week because I knew there would be a flood of phone calls and emails of concern. <laughs> right. Whenever somebody leaves the Mormon church, typically from their perspective, it's very much of concern because. They believe that you won't be together in the afterlife. And so, you know, it's love, you know, that, that people are concerned with. But I needed some time because I didn't want to flood of all these calls. And I also uh, sent this email to some of my my close friends as well. And just so it could kind of simmer for a little bit. But yeah, it was it was definitely, I, I remember <laughs> hitting the send button and just like how stressful that was, yeah. just knowing that that information's out there now and it's official. It's like I've come out is, is essentially, you know, I mean, obviously I, I haven't been in that you know, situation of like coming out uh, if you're gay, but I would assume it's a very similar feeling because you're not sure how your family is going to take it. If they're going to cut you off, and sure, there's friends and contacts, you know, people that look at me differently. And from their perspective, they're looking down upon me. And I'm okay with that. Right. So it, it took time to, <laughs> this is kind of what started cracking that external validation. It's when I realized there are some people. That if I don't believe and think the same way that they do, then basically I'm trash to them, hmm. and that didn't ever set right with me. So I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to believe that. Like that's not how I function. So I've been okay. Like there, there's no reason you don't need to have everybody in your life. You want to have your people in your life, you know. And and hopefully those uh, you know who have pushed me away, they'll find a little bit more acceptance uh, and a little less stress and hatred in their their life, so that they can appreciate more of what what life has to give. Wow. but I mean, the
1: shift is, is monumental, um, to go from, you know, looking at my entire value is based on how I'm perceived by everybody to now you basically have severed that tie from that external validation. So as we approach life now, what are the habits? What are the belief systems that you enter into? What are the things that you do on a regular basis that keep you you know, you use the word happiness. Like, what are the things that you do to maintain that to be able to have a solid life
2: and, and know that you are of value just the way that you are? You know, that's a, that's a really great question that I wish I had a clear answer to. Um, (laughs) That's part of the journey. Let's
1: let's take the pressure (laughs) off because we all are going through this, right? We're all still learning and we're all still growing. So no pressure on that pie. We, we, we're all doing that. We, we, for a week, we do one thing and we're like, nah, that's, that's not working. So we, so let's just, it's okay if it's not perfect.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I appreciate that. You know, yeah. So for me, like what, what I have found, uh, to kind of help stay grounded and clear-minded, uh, meditation—you know—is a is a regular practice uh, for me. You know, whether it be a guided meditation or just sitting there, you know, and observing my thoughts and trying not to follow my thoughts, just letting go, letting things happen. Gratitude—I go in and out of this this habit, but I, I do try to make it a daily habit that when I get out of bed or before I get out of bed, I think of five people that I'm grateful for. If I don't remember to do that. I've got a sticky note at my desk to write down five things that I'm grateful for and and really take time to pause. And with with the gratitude, like my kids and I will do this at dinner since we don't do family prayer, which I grew up, you know, prayer before dinner every time. And, you know, we do express gratitude. So we go around the table and the way that we approach it is it's not just, hey, I'm grateful for food, my house, my family, your standard stuff. We really try to think about, okay, today, what am I grateful for? Like, what, Mm -hmm. what can I really appreciate? And so like a silly example would be, if he had cereal that morning, like I always be really grateful that when I was kind of tired still and I'm pouring my milk, that the milk was fresh. It wasn't gross and rotten. Because can you imagine like what that would be like in the morning? And you're you're half awake and you go to eat your spoonful of cereal and it's, you know, <laughs> it's sour milk curds in it. Uh, I don't have to deal with that, right? So that's something that you know you take time to just really be like, you know, I'm grateful that I live in a, a place where I have access to good food that's healthy and uh, it's easy to prepare, you know, th- those sort of things. So mm. gratitude uh, is, a, is a big thing that keeps me grounded. And I, I've realized that it's kind of gratitude's the cure to a lot of mental ailments, including disappointment. I think it's almost like the counterpart to disappointment. I used to think that to avoid disappointment, have low expectations, and that's a strategy. But I think just having gratitude for whatever shows up, you'll never be disappointed, regardless of what you're expecting. Yeah, I, right? I, maybe that's the Pollyanna view coming out—the silver lining, right—that uh, uh, that blends into there. But but it works; it really does.
1: Yeah. So let's let's kind of tie in some of the stuff that you said as far as the growing up part of it and where you're at now. And, and I'm really curious on your take on this because, first of all, it sounds like there's still a lot of positivity that's in your life. I think that's partly Absolutely. about. You right and there's some things there that, that you found from the past that are like we need to make sure that we maintain that but there's also some things from the past that you recognize are a little bit harmful so how do you balance this positivity with the reality of life that things are going to be disappointing at times because you know you grew up and you said okay if i was feeling down if i was feeling any of those negative thoughts or feelings, they were pretty much dismissed and put aside and put in a box. And we don't share that with anybody. But now you say, okay, authenticity, being honest, being transparent, but I
2: practice gratitude. So help me balance all of this stuff in my mind. Yeah. You know, I, I believe this comes from from Buddhism. It might be like the first tenant. I may be botching it completely, so don't quote me on it. Uh, <laughs> it's but okay, essentially the, the idea is that life is a struggle and and it's true, right? It's like, You look at a rock a rock is not alive but it it has no struggles like there's no effort put into being a rock to be a human to be alive to have consciousness it requires a lot of internal processes that are going inside of our body it requires a lot of systems all around us to support what what we need to be able to live physically mentally spiritually all of those things so because life is so complex It's kind of a given that there's going to be problems and struggles. And so what the trick is, is to essentially pick which problems you're going to solve, which problems you want to deal with. So, so for example, let's say you're broke, that's a problem. You've got no money, right? That's a money problem. So I can deal with the problem of, okay, if I don't have money, how am I going to live? How am I going to feed my kids? How am I going to have a roof over their, their head? Or I can tackle the problem of how do I make money, right? And that might lead into, well, I need to solve the problem of my education or updating my resume, right? So you pick the problems that you want to solve, and so long as you are deliberate about the problems that you pick and the problems that you solve, knowing what the outcome that you want, your vision, life's a lot easier, and it's a lot better. Then you can handle knowing that there's going to be disappointments. There's going to be problems. There's going to be struggles that come your way, but knowing, Hey, I am picking, I'm choosing my life, what I want to focus on based within what's in my control. Not everything's in my control. If we go to war tomorrow, I have zero control over that, but I do have control about how I approach it both mm-hmm. mentally and my, my physical actions as well.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I think that's incredible too. Cause you're, you're looking at it from a balanced perspective rather than no, we're all going to be, respect to your mother, but we're all going to be Pollyanna. (laughs) We're all going to be positive and it's all going to be flowers and roses. And then all of a sudden the reality of life hits us and we're like, what the, what, what just happened here? Right? Yeah. So really awesome stuff. So let me, let me offer this out of everything that you said today, or if there's something that's really on your heart, if I just gave you the mic, what is it that you feel like I have got to say, or I have got to repeat. And I hope that somebody just, if you hear nothing else, just focus on this one thing.
2: What would that one thing be? Putting me on the spot on this one, there, there's multiple things, but but one thing that comes to mind right now is, you know, if you're listening to this, just realize that you are a miracle. The fact that you are breathing, the fact that you can hear this with your ears, it does make you special. It doesn't make you better than anybody else, but it makes you very special and worthwhile. And if you're, you know, going through a hard time of any sort or questioning the, the path of your life. Just realize that you know you've been given a very special gift. Humans live for you know a little less than 100 years on average, and over the span, when you look at that compared to the span of what is the universe 14 billion years, I mean, we're nothing. This little speck in time is absolutely nothing. So cherish it. Realize that you have a very unique opportunity to perceive life, to create the way that you want to create and make the world a better place and enjoy that process because you really are, you're a miracle and you're special. All of us are.
1: Yeah. I, I love that. All right. So if anybody is listening and they're saying like, dude, this guy is talking my language. <laughs> I am resonating with him. How can they get in touch with you? What's the best way, uh, whether it's social email, like what, what's the best way to be able to, we obviously didn't really talk much about what you did or what you do for uh, a living. And if you feel free to share something like that as well, that way people at least know what you do. I mean, the story is incredible, but uh, just how can we get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, well, I appreciate that. So uh, probably the best way is my email. So it's just Evan, E-V-A-N dot Van Dyke, like Dick Van Dyke. So it's V-A-N-D-Y-K-E at Gmail. I do marketing. If ever you want to talk shop, uh, I'm a fractional CMO, you know, so I, I represent, you know, multiple companies and essentially help them get from seven figures to eight figures. So if you're in that boat and a full-time CMO doesn't make sense for you, you might want to consider a fractional CMO and we can have a chat about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Wow. So thank you. Thank you.
2: And I I can't, uh, I I truly am grateful
1: for all those people that are willing. It takes courage to share some of the stuff that's been happening in your life, because usually we're just, what do you do? What do you, you know, and that's our parties. And so again, I'm really, really grateful that you chose to take the time, share it with us, spend it with us. So again, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So, all right. Next time, um, we've got another story. Uh, if you guys are listening, whether you're on YouTube, you're on the podcast, make sure you follow, subscribe, all that good stuff that I have to say on YouTube. You got to click the link on the bottom. I got to say all that kind of awful, awesome, awesome stuff. But um, again, keep just writing your story. And I, I can't express how how incredible, powerful this is when you can be able to write your narrative and and truly understand the value that you bring to the table. So until next time, write your story and live the life that you are intended to be able to live. We'll see you
0: guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live. Enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. Finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity freedom of your day and it just might change your life forever.